You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Thank you for joining us this week. Today, we're going to talk about the documentary Rolling Like Thunder, which has nothing to do with weather or rolling, just so you know. But Or Elton John. Or Elton John, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. It was done in 2021. It's an hour and 12 minutes long. And this was found on Showtime. Mm-hmm. The director is Roger Gastman, who also did a doc called Wall Riders. Also in the graffiti genre, but from like mm-hmm. the 60s and 70s. And it's narrated by John Waters. So we might have to do it <laughs> sometime. <Ooh. laughs> right? Nice. Yeah. I think one of the guys in here references that, right? He That he made that documentary? No, it was a different one. Oh, okay. Okay. That he was in a different documentary. Yes. But yeah, it looks pretty cool. So, but this one that we're talking about today, Rolling Like Thunder is about freight train graffiti. Mm-hmm. Whole subgenre of graffiti, if you will. It does talk about the initiation or the beginnings, mm-hmm. the mythology or lore of uh, graffiti writing, if you will. Right. And they reference the 1970s mass transit in New York City, starts it all. According to a cool cat named Staff161, who is a veteran writer Mm -hmm. and he's mentioning that graffiti writing, hip hop, break dancing are all occurring about the same time. They're all separate movements, but they're all kind of getting their legs and kind of coming up as it were about the same time. So it's really funny to me because I think they're all a little bit of rebellion. So there must really have been something in the air, right? There's something that's speaking to people about a little bit of damn the man or what and whatnot. Well, and if you think about New York City in the 70s and 80s, it was crazy, right? They went through a whole process in, I think, the 90s where they started to clean up the city. But it was just the crime and the poverty level in the 70s and 80s in New York City was pretty astounding. So this was something that they could do, I don't know, to feel alive, maybe, to Mm -hmm. feel like they weren't so downtrodden. And you're right, damn the man. So, yeah. 100%. A gentleman named Bobby talks about how the subways move, and then Staff 161 comes back and says, the trains get your tag moved around. So you're creating these pieces. They're being seen by anyone and everyone who bothers to pay attention to this stuff, which I think really appealed to the people that were making it. Because who wants to just paint something and then no one sees it? Because these things are amazing from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Very colorful. Very The artwork is astounding. It's just, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine having that kind of talent. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a douchebag named David Gunn, who is the transit authority. He's working there from 84 to 90, and they are introducing a zero tolerance policy for graffiti. And so anytime they notice any graffiti, they are washing the cars, they are painting over everything. So it's kind of putting the quash on the artwork form. So it's just sort of not worth their time and effort. So they're looking for new medium. I love that then they kind of turn their eyes towards what else might we um, kind of get into here. And that's when the freight cars 
catch their attention because it's similar. I mean, you can kind of see where they were like, okay, maybe that would be the next way to go. And the way they describe it as, because so many people in this documentary describe that they don't want to make art on canvas or on a wall or make a piece of art and have it just sit there. Right. They want it to leave and maybe they'll see it again. Maybe they won't. Maybe it will be in the same format. Maybe it won't. And so knowing that they liked that idea on subways and they can look at trains and be like, well, here we go. We have all of North America that can see this art now, as opposed to just the city. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It's a natural transition. My question was, was no one else in the country doing graffiti at the time? Because they make it sound like everything started in New York. And if you've ever met anyone from New York, everything started in New York. Right. That's kind of par for the course. Right. right. <laughs> and I'm not saying it didn't. But what I am saying is it seems weird to me that no one started writing on trains prior to that. I mean, they do talk about the Genesis a little bit later, um, way, way back. They really make it sound like this all came out of New York. And then someone was sitting at a, a train stop one day and saw this train go by with a graffiti. And they're like, what? And then other people started doing it. No, it just didn't make that much sense to me. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's not completely comprehensive. Maybe it's just from the viewpoint of the people who started in New York. I would agree with the fact that everybody from New York seems to think that this is the only city that ever came up with anything ever. And in some cases, it's true, right? Some some things did absolutely start in New York. It's a crazy city if you've ever been. But the other thing that I found really interesting is at the beginning of this and throughout, they talked to several people who, when talking about spray painting or writing, as some people call it, on freight trains, they talk about it like an addiction, a literal addiction. That was surprising to me. I don't know why, but I just feel like maybe the danger portion of it fed into that versus just the art, right? Well, that's definitely something that they hit on, that it could be an adrenaline junkie situation because people get killed while they're riding. I had no idea. And they do talk to some people that are train experts. There was one gentleman, I did not get his name, but he talked quite a bit about the way that the trains are set up, you don't really know when they're about to move because they're cars strung together a quarter of a mile, half a mile. And so when they all link up, you have no idea where you are versus where the engines are when a big move is coming. So people get cut in half, people lose limbs, people get knocked off the top of train cars, all kinds of crazy shit. And I really had not thought about that either. The other thing I think might be feeding into this is this is considered vandalism. It's a crime. And so several people that are speaking on camera uh, remain masked throughout the whole thing. And I'm not talking like COVID masks. These guys are like bandanas. It's very, um, I don't know, Wild West bank robber yeah. style. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I'm like, are you using young guns? What is happening right now? <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a lot of discussion about this affects people's relationships. People have been arrested and been in jail because of this. And people have been grievously injured or killed because of their writing addiction. And I thought that was really interesting as well. And speaking of, so this is broken to kind of like chapters almost. I like that. I like that it's little, little groupings. The first one is called making the approach. And what this one is, is it's talking to different people about how they even like scope out the area and that. So a lot of them do talk about safety and making sure 
where the trains are, what's going on, making sure you have a second person there, making sure you have some way to see what's going on at all times. Mm -hmm. We have a person named Maple. It's not very menacing, but I guess they're not gangs. It's just a fun name. Right. (laughs) This is in Wisconsin. When I saw that first, I'm like, is there a town called Maple, Wisconsin? Is his name Maple and he lives in Wisconsin? I wasn't quite sure, but Mm -hmm. I figured it out. But he talks about how much homework he puts into it before he does it. I mean, there's a lot of prep work. There's a lot of scouting. And they talk about sometimes you have to change your design. So say you have an idea of what you're going to do when you get there. And the car that you end up wanting to use isn't there. And so you have another car that's clean and it's ready for your artwork, but it's a different color. Right. Well, now you have to change your whole color scheme or your art. So again, you have to be good with that because I'd have been like, well, I'm fucked. And I'd just go home. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do, but... I liked that portion of the documentary because it showed the racks and racks and racks in a room in a house somewhere of all the spray paint cans. And they have bags full, like almost like a jump bag situation. And it's got headlamps and extra batteries for the headlamps and hand warmers and all kinds of, (laughs) they do a lot of labeling. Mm -hmm. And it really made me laugh because that guy said he's considered almost like a soccer mom. Because of his level of preparation. Yeah. And he's like, but when you go out, anything and everything does happen. There are examples of people with walkie-talkies so they can, like, kind of get in in touch with each other, perhaps for Mm -hmm. safety. But I would also guess in case the five rolls up on them. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, this is not a spontaneous thing. They don't just show up and, you know, create these giant pieces of art and then... You know, it it takes a lot of work. And that was something I was like, oh, right, right. You don't think of them as being as organized as they are. They're extremely organized. Another question I have is they have them painting in the dark a lot. They only show a couple people painting in the daytime. Most of them seem to be painting at dark, which makes sense, right? You're doing something illegal and nefarious. But how can you see? I mean, I know they have headlamps, but it just, I feel like it'd be so much more difficult to paint in the dark and know what you were painting and know that the colors aren't completely clashing or I would think it just not turn out as well. Well, I thought it was interesting because they don't talk to anybody that just got into it three months ago. These are all veterans. So they probably know what paints go together. So there's probably a lot of experience at work here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if maybe part of that was shot for the camera's sake Like maybe the nighttime stuff was more dramatic or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Right. But yeah, surely they go in with a sketch, but they're not like taping stuff up on the train and then like outlining it. They have like some guides for straight edges and things like that. I noticed like cardboard bits and whatnot. It's really impressive. And how they end up doing this stuff in low light is staggering. It is. And then watching them. There's some of that you watch and they're just, it looks like they're just lobby bits being sprayed on, but then they go back and outline everything the way they want it. And you see exactly what they're doing. I'm like, Oh, how the fuck did they get there? I have no idea. It's just so fun to watch. Can we talk about what the tags themselves are? Because I thought that was interesting as well. I didn't realize it was basically, you're just writing your name a hundred different ways. And so the tag name and your, your name are linked and that's how people know who's done what and so I'm like do they have like a database like a registry for clowns (laughs) you they have that so we don't get a bunch of you know bubbles the clowns with the same face or whatever 
Yeah. And I wondered, because we were both laughing, what would your graffiti name be? And I picked Shades, because I love sunglasses. And you have Aaron spelled a certain way, and I liked that. But I'm like, how do we know that these aren't already taken? I guess you just put it out there, and if it gets sprayed over by somebody else and you know you're in trouble. Maybe try something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. I mean, there are a couple people that talk about documenting a lot of the writing, which is mm-hmm. amazing, especially because you're you're taking pictures of fast baby trains. Yes. So you have to have a very good camera. But it, it's still, you're right. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm assuming mine is taken. I'm assuming yours is taken. I assume they're all taken. Maybe it's by region. Like as long as there's nobody in your city. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. How would you know those? The trains come in and out all the time from all over North America. How would you know if they were local? I don't know. Hopefully we'll have to get, find out another documentary and maybe they'll lay out. Okay, for all you boring, lame-ass <laughs> people who don't know how cool stuff works, let us, <laughs> let us school you. <laughs> that will be us. Thank you. One thing I like that Maple said is you learn very quickly because they're on the train cars. There are numbers and like letters that identify the train uh, or the train car specifically. And he said, you learn very quickly not to paint over those because that's when they will, they'll put them back on there and they'll ruin your work in the process. So they tape over them either in a big block or maybe just small portions, Mm -hmm. just the numbers themselves and they paint and then they can take the tape off and it's still there and your artwork is still there. And I'm like, that's beautiful. I know. What a symbiotic relationship that that's mm-hmm. like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The railroad people are like, oh, fine. And then the spray painters are like, <laughs> okay, we'll have small pieces of our work that, you know, kind of don't blend in, but it'll be all right. So. <laughs> so I think the gentleman you were talking about before was Robert Ledenberger. Okay. He's the director of education at the National Railroad Museum. There so you go. he was talking about. I like how he admits he's like, train graffiti is beautiful. It's amazing, mm-hmm. but it's extremely dangerous. It is vandalism. It is trespassing. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of issues there. And they also talked to Rachel Mela, who is the executive director for Operation Lifesaver. And she says that every three hours in the U.S., a person or vehicle is struck by a train. It seems like a lot. Yeah. A lot. From my little piece of the world, I don't hear trains very often. I don't run into trains very often. I mean, as in I see them on the when I'm driving, only at inconvenient times. So, And they're always going so slow because we're in the city. <laughs> so they're going so slow that I'm like, literally, if it hits you, I mean, you could probably still just roll off. I mean, I wouldn't test that theory, but they're going really slow to the point that they stop, back up, and then go again. So... Yeah, there's definitely one that has hung me up several times where I have to like call because I'm on my way to an appointment and it's like unforeseen train related delays. Right? It almost sounds like the dog ate my homework, but nonetheless, it is accurate. (laughs) So yes, it's really funny. We meet a couple cats called Me Too and Visa. Mm -hmm. Now these two are in South Florida and they had their faces fully covered Like one of them had a monkey mask, but it wasn't like a traditional monkey mask, but it still was a monkey on a mask. And it took me a minute to figure that out. I thought maybe it was just really dirty, but it wasn't. There was a picture there. And one guy has his face completely covered and yet they still blurted out. His eyes. Well, they blurred his eyes out because I think they were, you don't want to take chances with that. Were they liquid silver? Like, I mean, there's (laughs) so many tattoos. Yeah. It was just really funny. But they're from South Florida. 
they talk about how graffiti is kind of like a virus, right? So I guess, like I said, that someone would sit there and see graffiti and then they choose to do it as well. And until you realize it's a thing, you didn't do it. But once you see it as an option, then other people will go out and do it. Mm -hmm. Just takes one person to show you that option is there, right? Right. They also mention they're the big ones that hit on the addiction portion of this first and mention not trying to sell their art. So they realize that they're doing something creative and it's a total outlet, which is another big thing that everybody in this hits on. It's such an outlet for me. It's such an outlet for me, which great art can certainly be that. But I think it's a side of danger that would assume me from (laughs) participating. Also, there were two women in this whole thing. So a bit of a sausage party, as far as I can tell, on the graffiti writing circuit. So, (laughs) Yes. Yeah, they talk about how, you're right, they don't sell the art. They do it for themselves and no one else. Mm -hmm. You know, at the expense sometimes of relationships and lifestyle and whatnot. And Me Too mentioned, he's like, my kid doesn't go to a better school because I do graffiti. It's strictly for myself. Okay, chapter two, finding a crew. This is where we start talking about crews, which I find really interesting. I'm not sure I understand the point of it because they're kind of like gangs. So I guess maybe like family. I don't know. But gangs served a different purpose and probably still do. I don't know. I wonder if it's kind of like houses when we did Burning in Paris. Like there's some street cred, right? Mm -hmm. For your crew. So. That could be. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a. You're like-minded creatively. I think there's more safety in numbers for people. It's possible that that's part of it as well. But it's very funny to listen to them talk about how they get these crews together. Because what I wrote down is they have some on-the-street interviews. A guy named Dr. Dax is the one who's questioning people. They go outside the Norfolk and Southern offices at one site to talk to people about like, well, what do you think of the graffiti? And there's one guy that's like, I gotta say it, it's really quite breathtaking. And then there's another guy that's like, I can't say anything. I'm gonna have to refer you to our media relations people. And it was like the super <laughs> right. lamest answer ever. I'm like, he just watched the corporate training on that and it's just fresh in his <laughs> mind. And so <laughs> that's what yes. I took away from that. Yeah. Yes. Don't say anything. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. I like the takeaway from that though was Dr. X was like, I'm going to say that you like it then. And just kind of walked away. (laughs) Yes. So Dr. Dax is based in Atlanta. And he said that writing is a bit of a grounding part of his life. So he's got kind of a wild story. Yes. The way he paints the picture. So initially he was a drug dealer Uh who then became a DJ. And I'm like, well, those kind of seem like they go hand in hand. I can't say for certain, but that's, you know, I've watched a lot right. of after school story specials, so I'm not, I feel like that's sort of the progression there. Yeah. And so he's moving in certain circles and then eventually gets to graffiti after several different stops. And I'm like, okay, sure. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's a very interesting cat. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He talks about how selling drugs got him into the punk and then hip hop scene. And I'm That's like, right. yeah. those two are side by side. <laughs> and then his gay friends got him into like the techno scene, which is mm-hmm. when he like got into DJing. And that's when he started traveling abroad. And I'm like, and yet here you are back in Atlanta. Like you had an opportunity to travel abroad and do all this. And you're like right back where you started. So 
I will say he's got some amazing pictures that they show mm-hmm. in the footage. And that was really fun to see. I mean, it's just, he's such a little baby face. He looks like a little douchebag. Uh, he looks like a little douchebag that I would have dated when I was a teen is what he right. looks like. <laughs> like. Barely able to grow that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He thinks he's a lot cooler than I think he is, is what's going on. He's probably a very cool adult, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because if I saw those pictures and him next to one another and didn't know they were the same person, I would not know they were the same person, right? They look very different. Yeah. He seems much more chilled out, yeah, as an adult. Mm-hmm. He talks about the first time he saw graffiti, period, is he came to Atlanta to visit his brother in 1984. And he was like, what the fuck is that? And his brother's like, it's graffiti. And he's like, like American graffiti? And his brother's like, no, not like that at all. But I appreciate the reference. So Right. He also talks about when he got into graffiti, it actually kept him out of a lot of trouble. Like a lot of his friends would go to parties and they would get raided and they'd get arrested. And this was, you know, oftentimes where he would be like, oh, I would like to go to that, but I'm going to go out here and spray paint because this crew won't be here for long and this is the only chance I get. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting considering this is also illegal. But he didn't get caught doing that. So well done. Right. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Do we say it's a safer form, like a, a safer way to deal with some of those things? With Is it a safer addiction? Would you go that far? I don't know, right? Because I don't know how dangerous it is. They make it sound like really dangerous. From my perspective, it doesn't seem that dangerous, but I've seen what drugs can do to people, which is horrible. So mm-hmm. he does mention that painting freights is his anti-drug. So it was mm-hmm. taking one addiction into the next, right? Mm-hmm. And And for him, it probably is a much safer addiction. So that's good. Yeah. We meet a guy named CB1. I thought it was SB1. Oh, okay. Sorry. SB1. Starts out in Brooklyn to Atlanta. He is meeting some people. Uh, I specifically wrote down Brain and Hens. They form a network and that's the first crew. <laughs> you can't have a crew without Brain and Hens. You just can't. I mean, again, <laughs> the names they choose... All shortish, right? The for the longest one I think I saw was Staff 161. They're all about five or six letters. Yeah, Zephyr at the end. Zephyr, Zephyr was a long one, yeah. Yeah. And then they run into a guy named Bazer. Mm-hmm. And he discusses he's a bit of a rebel among rebels. He's touted as sort of a wild man. And this is where they start talking about trading pictures with Dr. Dax. So they're completing these works. They're taking pictures of it. I truly hope that they were Polaroids. I hope so, too. Yeah, they talk about they're the pen pals. That's what Dr. Dax says is they were like so cute. pen pals. And I'm like, that's adorable. <laughs> I want a graffiti pen pal. I mean, yeah. I would just have to take pictures of other people's graffiti, but I would give them credit. Right. You'd just be like the picture taker person. Mm-hmm. So shall we get into the glossary? Let's shall. Yes, they have their own <laughs> language and they mm-hmm. give us a, a roundabout. Definition for everything. Okay. So, freight train graffiti glossary. Mm-hmm. First one, reefer. Not the smoking kind. Which I feel like this crew is probably familiar with. So, it must be confusing. So, reefer is a refrigerated... Refri- Try again. Refrigerated boxcar. <laughs> yes, it is. Indeed. And a hopper, which they had a couple different definitions for. For? For? Shut up. 
<laughs> the first one was any car you could load from the top and empty from the bottom, which is kind of a hopper that I'm familiar with in mm-hmm. machinery. But mm-hmm. someone else said it's one that you can hop on easily. Like they have sides at the front and the back you can hop on more mm-hmm. easily. So I guess it depends on who you're talking to. Again, maybe this is a regional distinction. Could be. I don't know. So then they have one called a Holy Roller. And that is a boxcar that carries cars as in automobiles. And this one seems to be a little bit different because it's like um, the panels have aeration holes in them. So they're not a solid surface. So interesting. I like how they said there were holes for ventilation. I'm like, so the cars don't suffocate? (laughs) (laughs) I was the same thing. And then I'm like, okay, so when they're stored at the rail yards, they don't have cars in them. Probably not. Okay. Which is where I'm presuming most of the graffiti happens because I'm like, if they're spraying and all that kickback or whatever that is, is getting all over those cars, then I would understand why people would be pissed. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That would suck. Kind of damaging the merchandise and the execution of your arts. Or you have a one of a kind car now. I'm just saying. Yeah, all of that orange paint all over your windshield or whatever. That would really exactly what I wanted. <laughs> oh, and you got the razor blade. And I'm sure that there's probably a better gasoline would chemical probably take based. Off. Yeah, yeah. The next is a flat car. This is what everybody wants. It's like the most desirable. It's like got no grates, very few rivets. It's just like a nice flat surface for you to paint on. That's the desirable car. They also mention then a trash car which carries trash. I would think that that's the opposite of the one that you want because it's stinky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A yard is a freight train yard. A piece is short for masterpiece. So then they mention something called end to end. And that's a long, most of the art is probably the bottom half to a bottom third of where the graffiti happens. If you, if you think about how big the car is. So an end to end means the the piece runs from the front to the back. So it's the whole car length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they have a whole car, which is the entire side. So end to end, top to bottom. And some of those pieces are amazing. Like I can't imagine how long it takes to do stuff like that. Jeez. I think this is a good time to mention that when they bring all the stuff to come in to do the graffiti, They're bringing bags, they're bringing headlamps, they're bringing walkie-talkies. Obviously, they're bringing snacks, if they're any kind of human being. Let's (laughs) hope so. And then they're bringing ladders, which I was like, thank you. How interesting to see, you know, how they pull off some of these larger pieces. Yes, yeah. Bull is the name for the railroad police, and benching is the last one. That's just watching trains. They count the graffiti, they critique it, they admire it, they take pictures of it. Mm -hmm. This one to me, I think was kind of the weirdest because they talk about it later on how people will spend hours, like days just sitting there watching trains go by. That one to me seems like a bit much when it's Baser that's talking about it later. And I'm like, okay, okay, dude, we all have our thing. Right. Do they have jobs that they have to go to? Nobody talks about that. No. They do talk about a a place that they like to go, Bim's Package. It's a liquor store. And I think it's been redone. The front of it's been redone several times. But this crew or a collection of people 
go to the back of the place and the owner seemed to be okay with them just like hanging out back there. I don't think they were necessarily causing any problems because they do go into the liquor store. They buy something. They talk to the guy just a little bit and he doesn't seem to be two plus by the fact that they're out back probably drinking his product if I had mm-hmm. to guess right and then they you know they watch the trains go by and they're like this is one of the best spots in the country to watch this and I'm like sure okay right and when there are other people there like when they're having like they have cookouts and they'll sit there and kind of hang out together as a gathering that I get mm-hmm. I understand that but there are times when people like Basil would talk about just sitting there by himself almost for hours and I think mm-hmm. okay I mean, I guess I sit and read books for an hour, so that's not much different in the end. Everyone likes their everyone likes their hobby a different way, I guess. Sure. I mean, maybe that's a way to get an inspiration. Like you're like, I have done blue and green together so many times. What other combinations can I come up with? <laughs> yes. One thing I'll note before we move on is the group or collective that SB1 started was called Network. That was the name of it was network and he had is an acronym for something was it an acronym when it started probably not it became an acronym later i don't know i think sb1 is pretty good with the acronyms because he's the one who gave dax his name mm-hmm. he said it, it stands for destroying all kinds of shit all right sure so he's pretty good with that but yes that is just one group crew crew one crew one Sorry. crew mm-hmm. i am cool <laughs> <laughs> You know it's true when you have to tell people. Yeah, absolutely. So the next chapter we're going to talk about is taking the flicks. Mm-hmm. Then we meet a guy named Faves. He's got an actual name, but they call him Faves. He's a graffiti writer as well, but I think he's got a little bit more prowess, if you will, as a photographer. So he is capturing the arts on the trains. He's sharing his photographs with others, and he's got this like really sweet system where he can tell, like, he's got a spot laid out, and it's got the lighting that he needs. It's not unobstructed. But the nice thing is he can see a train coming from his studio or his house. And then about half an hour later, he knows the train's going to be at the spot that he likes to take pictures. So he gets there. He sets up his ladder or whatever, and he's able to get in position by the time the train comes by. And so he's able to scout out the stuff he wants to see. He's there. He's taking the pictures of it. And then he's able to distribute however he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his, his pictures are really good. He even said yes. that he's like, he has a bit of a leg up on some of the other people taking pictures, probably just because he's been doing it for so long. He has that skill as a photographer that helps. Then they start talking about kind of the history of it. So let's, let's go back if we will. They say that the construction of the railroad really kind of exploded after the Civil War, right? That's when we start going across America. Prior to completing the transcontinental, it would take six to nine months to get across country. Can you fucking imagine? I'm sorry. I just listened to a podcast on the Donner Party. So I, I guess I can't imagine six to nine months. It took them a long ass time. Yeah. Shout out to your wrong about. Yes. <laughs> that was a really great episode. It really was. But with the addition of the railroad, you could now get across country in like 10 to 14 days. Mm -hmm. Like you get your whole life back. That's amazing. And so then comes the depression. And with the depression, you get people moving around for work called hobos. And they had kind of their own language. So they would mark one. They would have their 
their hobo name, I use quotey fingers there, Mm -hmm. that they would mark on the trains if they had jumped the trains to get from place to place. But they also had a way of communicating with one another with different symbols in that. So they could tell people if there's work here, if there's camp here, if there's things like that. So there was a lot of different symbolism going into the original graffiti, if you will. And I do love that they have a TV spot where there's a guy who's telling you the distinguishment between a bum, a tramp, and a hobo. So I think that's a a lost explanation in our days. So that was really funny to me. I wrote that down too. And I'm assuming this cat was a hobo, right? Because he was the highest of the food chain there. Yeah. Yes. He said a hobo will work. A tramp won't. And a bum couldn't even if he wanted to. All right. He said all this with a can of beer in his hand. So (laughs) (laughs) Totally legit. Make of it what you will. Yeah. (laughs) So building off these symbols and carvings into the train, this language system, uh, somewhere between language and art, let's say that, we, we meet a guy named Solo Artist. So I lied to you. Solo Artist might be the longest name. Of anybody. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so he is, I don't know, in 87 or 88, he's starting to see monikers on the trains. And he's doing kind of an elaborate moniker on the trains that he is working on. So it's not the traditional spray paint graffiti that we're used to seeing. This is more just a drawing. I mean, it's, it, it looks very similar every time he does it. But that's his form of graffiti. So not even all graffiti is the same. There's all kinds of kind of iterations of it, but it's at heart the same thing. And the thing I thought was most fascinating about him was the fact that he stops doing aerosols in 1990, and now he's only doing the monikers. And he has a notebook where he's tracking all that, and he's done over 125,000 pieces. Yeah, on different cars. It's crazy. That's a great combination of OCD and art. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the nice thing is I think they're a lot faster, so you could probably do it without as much danger, right? Because they're smaller and he's using just a piece of, it looks like chalk, but surely it's got to be more lasting than chalk. Do you think it's like a paint marker or something, like a paint stick or something? I don't know, because that occurred to me as well. And they show you these old-timey ones or famous ones or maybe a combination of both and they are like just little characters they're really kind of pleasant to look at yeah they're adorable it's kind of fun to see it yeah that was neat so then on the next kind of we we talked to a guy in the leaving your mark section he's a train tramp from what i understand self-proclaimed yeah his name's john easley he's also known as coltrane like spelled out coltrane Mm-hmm. I wrote a bit of a rebel. This guy is not a fan of the man at all. No. In this. He is yeah. so <laughs> spicy. It's so funny. Yes. He's working out of Eugene, Oregon, at least when we see him here. He is a convicted felon, but he turns to labeling everything over time. And again, I think this has replaced for him some of his bad habits. And they show his moniker, if you will. It's, again, more on the elaborate side. It's like a guy with a bushy beard and hair. I mean, it's it's funny to see it. And it's, I mean, it's good work, but it seems like he's replicated it one billion times as well. 
Yeah, it seems like he had changed over time. Because I think he said at one point he was doing cowboy hats on him and he decided not to do cowboy hats anymore. But he also is like, yeah, I'm kind of getting bored with this. Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe he'll move on to something else. Maybe he'll just pick a different picture. I don't know. I I found it interesting that he said there were rumors. There was a specific train cop that was like (laughs) trying to catch him. And there were rumors that he was going to shoot Coltrane the next time he saw him. And I thought that's an extreme fucking reaction to a little bit of art on the side of a train. They're not stealing your product. What is your problem? Well, they don't get a viewpoint. I mean, there weren't really a lot of railroad representatives, so I don't know if he's. this is just something that like he has created. He does seem like a bit of a conspiracy guy, so yes. I don't know how to take that claim, because I agree. It seems very severe for a little bit of white chalk on their yes. trains. Right? I mean, I'll lick your thumb, and you can just wipe it right off. Yeah, just one wet wipe. Take that right off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Now we meet Ichabod, who's from New England. That seems like a broad area. <laughs> do you think he lives in all six states or do we think that they think New England is a state? I don't know, but I love the name Ichabod. I was like, now <laughs> now we are talking. Also, he wears a mask, a skeleton mask, with sunglasses. With sunglasses at night. Yeah. Yeah. Because the sun never sets on cool. That's right. And I was like, who is this man? <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. We really won't. I think he was a bit of a drinker. He said that he put down the bottle one day and picked up a spray can. So again, trading one addiction for another. Mm-hmm. He is one of the most prolific freight writers. Like you'll see his stuff everywhere. And don't think that I'm not going to be watching out for all of these people's names. That's what I was thinking to. I was like, do I need a notebook? I mean, <laughs> So I take a picture? Right. But what I like is that he self-diagnosed himself with Asperger's. Like he read an article and there was a cat talking about how he had a difficult time when he was growing up. These were the problems he was having. And when he got older, he was officially diagnosed with Asperger's. And Ichabod was like, fuck man, me too. So he self-diagnosed himself with Asperger's. I'm not sure that that's the best way to go about it. But you know what? If it helps you get through life a little bit more easily, then that's fine. Well, let's be honest. Who among us has not been on WebMD? Okay. Oh, my God. I'm sure I was going to die from a <laughs> splinter one time. Right. <laughs> Sepsis. Right. But he also says because of his Asperger's, that's one of the reasons why he's really good at graffiti. Because if he had to stop and think about it, if he had all the time in the world and just a canvas to work with, he would never actually finish anything. Right. He would just get in his mind too much. But with the graffiti, you have to get in there, get it done and get out. There's that time limit. There's that element of danger. And so that allows him to be really good at it. Mm-hmm. I thought I can, I can completely understand that. Right. And he also talks about painting trains is his priority. So we have seen several of these artists that suffer from problems in their relationships because they basically can't get off the sauce. And the sauce <laughs> <Yes>. is paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have some, yeah. some real problems with commitment to anything else like this is really the thing that comes first to them so yeah he did make a comment he said I would rather die than work in a cubicle yeah I feel you bro it kills me a little (laughs) bit every day to work in a cubicle and I'm not even in there very often yeah right right however there are people that that don't seem to suffer from this issue and so the next chapter we're going to talk about is called finding a partner there are a couple cats Merlot and Arab 
I was pronouncing it Arub. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't they matter. They don't say it this time, like, because they're all weird spellings, but a lot of times they'll say the name. I'm pretty sure Merlot is Merlot. Yeah, Arab makes more sense than Arub. I don't know what that okay. is. I'm just... We don't okay. know. And they had a super sweet meet cute because they were running in the same circles. Mm-hmm. They were graffiti friends. And then at some point, you know, they, they looked over at each other and something sparked and then they, you know, kind of got hooked up and it's super cute. Merlot was my favorite of all the artists in this. I just, I liked her color choices and the work that they showed that she had done. And I thought it was really pretty. So she's my favorite. And she's a girl. And she's a girl. I like that she changed it up. Like her name didn't look the same every time she put it out there. Sometimes it looked like she used like Scrabble letters and sometimes she used different things. And I'm like, wow, because a lot of times it looks the same, just different color patterns, but it's the same exact signature, which I get. You want people to recognize it, but she seemed to be a little more varied. And how right. she did her tagging. So, yeah. And I also liked it because you could read it. And some of them are, it's almost like they use like gothic lettering. And if that was flying by me at a fast rate, I would not be able to make it out. I'd be like, oh my gosh, it looked good, but I couldn't tell you what it said. I will mention that our friend Arab Arub, we don't know which, had some issues with sobriety. So he actually left graffiti for about five years because he felt like that was contributing to his problems. So that is no longer the case. They are painting once again. And they talk a lot about, I don't know how I would be with anybody else that didn't share this passion. And from the, what the rest of the people say, I believe it. Right. But they seem to have it figured out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause Malo had mentioned that. I don't know if someone who didn't do this would understand me going out at night all the time to do this right you're not going out party and you're not doing that but would a partner understand you not being there at night right if they weren't doing this with you so I get that absolutely mm-hmm. and what an interesting um well an interesting interest that's dumb but how fun that they are able to share that because two creative people could be great could be really dramatic <laughs> True. <laughs> two artists together sometimes can be very dramatic right I think we see that a little bit with G South and Six. Mm-hmm. Right? This is in Miami, Florida. They're with the WH crew. I'm sure that stands for something, but I don't remember. It's writing history. Okay. I like that. Mm-hmm. I do too. They also mentioned they're not sure how people have a relationship with someone who's not part of that world. But they talk about in Miami, you have no through line. That's the stopping point. So there are very few options for them. They don't have this huge influx of trains like we have in the Midwest where trains are coming and going all the time. Trains come in, they stop, they go back out. And so I would think if there are several groups in Miami tagging trains, you're very limited and you're probably very territorial. And we see that there's some aggression. It's really weird because they're talking like gang members, but they're like, don't tag, don't, don't spray over our stuff, man. Don't spray over our stuff, man. Right. And to me, this is like, it plays out like a dance battle. Jets and sharks. There we go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have beef with, and beef is kind of explained like if you cross somebody else's stuff out, you're kind of, that's the first strike. Right. And then it's problematic because everybody's beautiful stuff gets ruined. And 
these guys, WH, as we mentioned before, is the crew for G South and Six. They have beef with a team out of Canada called ETC. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, Canadian? <laughs> That's what I said to you. I was like, how is that possible, eh? Right? Good Lord. What's this all about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, if you're from Canada, please tell us how wrong we are. Sorry about it. <laughs> we love you, Canada. We wish we could move there. Right. It's looking better all the time. Oh, every day. Apparently, this all started when Crow from WH started spraying over someone's work from the ETC. And that's, I mean, that's not cool, man. That's not cool. But, you know, Canadians aren't going to take that shit, right? So now it's team against team. And anytime they see the other crew's tag, they will spray over it. You're on the complete opposite sides of the continent. I mean, how often are you seeing the other person's tag? I don't know. It's fascinating. I feel like we missed something because they're like, this already started. This already caused one ass whooping. Did they fly there? How did this happen? <laughs> did you hop the train and go there and kick their ass and leave? I don't get it. Yeah, something ended up on the editing floor and we just don't, we just don't get to see the rest of it. WH says the only way to stop this now is for ETC to break up their crew. Like, just not tagging over their stuff is not good enough. They have to completely break up their crew. That's the only acceptable outcome. Who knows who makes these rules? It sounds like kids playing a game. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It's just yeah. all made up at this point, yeah. so. It is. And it's so funny to hear the WH people talk about it. I mean, they're getting aggressive and feisty about it. And I'm like, calm down. Like, I've painted some stuff, and it can be expensive. But I don't know if it's really that big a deal. Yeah. Just paint it again. I don't know. At one point, <laughs> at one point, ETC did a whole car over WH's whole car. Like, there was a whole car mural, and ETC did a whole car over it. And I'm like, well, that defeats the whole fucking purpose, doesn't it? They won't even know. They won't even know, because their work isn't there. Yeah, You're I the only I, one that knows. Unless you take a picture and send it to them, like a fucking ransom letter. Right. A before and after. Like the worst makeover ever. Because the ETC one was like a robin's egg blue with black ETC on it. And that was it. And I was like, it feels like a mess. Yeah, absolutely feels like a mess. Anyway, this is where we meet uh, Tic Tac No. <laughs> He's an anti-graffiti activist. He's an old white man who also wears a bandana, I should say. Yes, and um, a reflective vest. Because, you know, safety, <laughs> safety first. first. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Anyway. This is the hill this man will die on. Right here. Yeah. He said, freight train graffiti is bad. Full stop. Okay, of all the things that are going wrong in the world right now, is this really what we need to worry about? Well, I like that he's he says that it projects an image of insecurity on the railroad industry. And I'm I'm like, but he doesn't elaborate. And so the only thing I could come up with is that the rail yards aren't secure. I think that's what he meant. Yeah. Okay. I'm like that they're afraid you're gonna break up with them. I don't know what kind of insecurity <laughs> are we talking about. They look bad. Like they're a needy bitch? I don't know. 
Well, they probably are a needy bitch. <laughs> but I'm like, it's not like people have another option, right? To get, the, unless you want to hire a whole bunch of semis, which seems like a more expensive option than a train. And also, if stuff is getting stolen, it's a whole different to do. I don't understand the big deal about the painting of the trains. Just who cares? Well, let's talk a little bit about what his answer is to this whole to do. I will say that's pretty, it's pretty good, actually. <laughs> so he had talked about you can't paint over the whole thing because then you're just leaving a blank canvas for the next person. Agreed. But you know that he figured that out by doing that and then being, oh, snap. And then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. He said the solution is to just deface the work itself. So you just paint a little bit of it. So it screws up the artwork and pisses them off that maybe they'll stop. That's his thought process right? I don't think it's going to have the solution he thinks it will. I think it's cathartic for him to go out there with black roller and be like, I got you. And it makes him feel Youths. better about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, at one point, he he rolled over something that said, have a good day. He's like, don't tell me what kind of day to have. <laughs> Goddamn, dude. Right. You are bitter. But he thinks what he's doing is right. And that's all that matters. He will die on that hill. He might already be dead. He was pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, fucking guy. <laughs> Kudos to the the documentarians for being able to get through that at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like that he has a name, too. Tic Tac No. Right. I mean, again, white men of the world, just mm -mm. stop, please. Stop. So we go back to Rachel Mela, and she again is talking about how dangerous it is to to just be around the rail yards if you're not familiar with them, and injuries can be fatal. She said a train traveling 55 miles an hour can take over a mile to stop, which we've all heard, and we have seen those videos in Driver's Ed, right, about how horrible <laughs> those are. Yeah. So, you know, I don't cross a train track if the things are down. I don't take that chance. I'm to the age where I'm not trying to get anywhere that I can't stop. I mean, I'll sit there and bitch about it the whole time, but I'm not going <laughs> to risk right. my car that I'm paying for to get that right. done. <laughs> I like that it's not your life, but it's like this goddamn car. I know. Once like, it's uh, paid off, it's, you can risk it all you want. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't do the wolves. Mm -mm. Me Too, which we had met earlier with Visa, actually lost his hand from a train accident. They talk about how... I think like it connected and bumped and he fell off and didn't get up in time and lost a hand from it. So did that stop him? Certainly did not. He's, I mean, currently out there doing stuff or we wouldn't have met him. Correct. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. There's another artist. I did not get his name. Did you, did they even show his name? The one in the wheelchair? Take five. Oh, okay. They did. Apparently I'm just a horrible person. Sorry, right. take five. He talks about, going train surfing one night and he said it was the most exhilarating feeling in the world so he did it again the next night not realizing the tunnel was too low and he fell off the train and he is now wheelchair bound he's lucky to be alive so that's good right he is a self-proclaimed daredevil and alcoholic and he is currently a wheelchair bound writer he says there's not many of them i think there is more than one he's found over time but he thought he was done and then he was able to find a way to still participate. Right. 
Well, if you think about, you're right, how high they are. I mean, you yeah. can only do a very small portion of the bottom if you're wheelchair bound and you don't have a way to elevate yourself to do a larger piece. Baser, we come back to Baser. He's talking about Liza. But Liza's his ex-wife and they interview her. And what's interesting is she said when they first started dating and were together, she was excited about learning about this new lifestyle, the graffiti and all that, because she had never been part of it. But once they got married and had kids and that didn't stop or even slow down, like they had talk about having a playpen in the back of a truck when he went to the bench to watch the kids, Emilio and Elijah talk about being at that place behind the liquor store to watch trains for a whole day, like hours and hours. I mean, they thought it was pretty cool, but also Liza was like, listen, are you coming home tonight? To which he would not. I think this is a really interesting example because obviously he's trying to involve his family. I mean, they're trying to make it work. That's why the kids go along. That's why they're doing these cookouts and stuff like that. But at the same time, when you have children, the demands on your time change. And that can't just be forced on one partner if things are going to work. So they ended up getting divorced over it. Now, the kids seem to be fine with it. I would not say they're extremely enthusiastic. They're like, yeah, the trains are cool. and bleh. But like the typical teenagers. Yeah. I was going to say they're teenagers. They're not excited about anything. Right. right. I do think it's very interesting that he says that he has a new family and they're working on balance. Mm-hmm. Right. He takes full responsibility. He understands that the first marriage broke up because of him. And he said, my passion can't override the passion of my partner. And I'm like, good for you. I mean, hopefully he went to therapy or something, but either way, he seems to have realized that you have to balance that. And I hope it works better this time. Yeah. Right. It's a nice, it's nice to see this, the level of self-awareness that he's been able to get to. And I really respected that because a lot of times people are like, it's not my fault and stuff like that. But in this case, he's like, I know what I've done. Like, I know that this has really affected the people around me and in my life. And, you know, this time I'm trying to do it different. Now he says that he and the ex-wife are still good friends. They're good parents together. You know, I think he does regret the time that it's cost him with his children. And that's a, it's a powerful realization, but it is kind of sad, right? You know, that it's, it's gone, you know, you can't get that back. And that was the one, that was the addiction that I think was weird for me because the addiction was just sitting out there watching trains. It wasn't necessarily writing himself. It was just watching them. And that one I don't understand. And not all addictions are easy to understand, right? I kind of think of it like the same thing as the big cat people. Like, this is destructive. <laughs> it's not good to do this. Like, just as a, just a one person trying to take care of this very large thing. And so that's the thing that kind of came to my mind. Because I'm like, well, it's eventually going to kill you. Right. So, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. As long as you know that going into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. G South's mom discussed going to visit him in jail the first time and like how hard that was because both G South and Six got arrested at one time or another. But it was interesting listening to her talking about visiting him in jail and how hard it was because I remember the same exact feeling. My sister went to prison for a short period of time and the first time I went to visit her, like I was in the parking lot crying. Because you see the walls, you see the wire around the building, you see everything and you realize, then it's real, right? Yeah, really bring it home. Yeah, and it was really hard for me to go in and see her. Once you get in there, it's fine. You see them, you talk to them, it's a little easier. But yeah, I, I completely fell for her. I, can, I can't imagine. I can't imagine, but it'd be harder for your kid. 
Right. We do meet somebody. We do meet somebody that represents people who are arrested for tagging. I only have his graffiti name. I only have his tag name. So it's Sug One. I thought it was Sug One. Okay. Well, again. Well, because I think Sugar, S-U-G-A-R, it's S-U-G, so whatever that is. So I thought it was Sug, but that could just be, his real name is Joseph Sullivan. Okay. Well, somebody let us know. I don't know. And I wrote, he's a graffiti lawyer. So he's a former writer. And then he went to school and now he's a defense attorney specializing in arrests for vandalism in this way. So it seems to have worked out for him because he had some credibility with the graffiti community. So he understood their viewpoint, which I think is probably easy to dismiss if you're an attorney that doesn't really understand. So they didn't talk about if he's a good lawyer or not. I don't know. But I thought it was really funny. What what an interesting specialty. Oh, it is. But he said that he defends and consults on graffiti cases across the country. So the fact that they have him consulting makes me think that maybe he's pretty good at it. I don't know. His commercial was top notch. It at least had late 80s, early 90s music in it. So it was amazing. I did dig that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then also he's a DJ wearing a fox mask at times. I, that oh, was that's, weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. This it, it was almost like this cat was trying to do like a dating profile and he was trying to show all sides of his life, right? <laughs> I'm an enigma wrapped in a riddle. <laughs> yeah. <just like> that. <laughs> yeah. I love interesting people, right? I love people that have had a non-standard life. And I think everybody in this you want to have a good cocktail with them all. So. Yes. Yes. So our next chapter is teaching the youths. They talk about, as the older generation, teaching the younger generation to come in and be safe. So Nexky from Pittsburgh, the armpit of the nation, if you will. <laughs> he said he would ride trains around for fun when he was a kid. Is this the 20s? Who does that? <laughs> His parents were highly unconcerned. <laughs> um, he started the NSF crew about 30 years ago. Do we think that stands for non-sufficient funds or is that a different <laughs> acronym? <laughs> That's the only NSF I've ever seen in my life, although thankfully it's been a long time. Right. I don't know who's to say, but I like that he's investing in the next generation. So there's some thought that this is really only one generation away from dying out. I think that seems a bit extreme. I don't know. You know those video games, they are... <laughs> A real distraction from your real world things like graffiti. Yeah. Should be out. Nah, you know what? I'm going to go get my kid now and be like, listen, you <laughs> stop playing video games. Go do graffiti. And my dogs agree as they're going crazy because it's been too long today. And then we meet the OGs. And every time I hear OG, I think of Kia saying OG gangsta. And I'm like, original gangsta gangsta? gangsta. <laughs> <laughs> totally par for the course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anyway, we have Staff 161, who Mm -hmm. was an original graffiti artist in the Bronx, right? On the subways and that. We have Money, talking about how it's inspiring to see the older guys get out there still. And then we meet Zephyr, who was one of the originals as well in New York. He worked, he said his work on the subways made him somewhat infamous. He was part of, there was like, I think a 
book of Subway Art that he was part of. And then the documentary was Style Wars, yes. which was, I think, in the 90s that he was also part of. I have it in 83. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Way earlier then. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like a fresh baby face kid. It's adorable. Yeah. It's so sweet. And then he took a break, I think, after the subway art thing kind of died. He took a break and then went and started painting freight trains in the early 90s. Back in the game, yo. I like that name, too. I think that's a good one. Zephyr, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Vinny. He's a veteran of '76, and he's making it out. So they show some of the guys working on their pieces. Pretty cool. Um, there's a guy named Mad out of Philly, and he's looking for clean cars and kind of starting from that point. We talked to Bobby again, who is friends with Vinny and had been friends with Vinny for a very long time since they were kids, but. He talks about Vinny getting into drugs and losing family and friends and that he's one of the ones who took Vinny back to the freights to start writing again. So it's one of the ways to get him back out into the world. He's had a pretty tough life. And so getting back out was it was good. What I like about Bobby is he's like, he's like, listen, I'm one of the worst writers out there, period. (laughs) I suck, but I keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't have to be good. You just have to enjoy it, I guess. I do like that they sound like a bunch of grumpy old men. They start talking about like, look, there's just a bunch of oversaturation of artists and there's (laughs) not enough to, I don't know. There's not enough railroad attention to stop the work, which is something that TikTok No had said as well. He was hoping that there'd be more, attention from the higher levels so they could really get in there and clean them up and all that kind of stuff. Now, while they've instituted more cameras, more patrols, more stuff like that, it's still happening evidently to the level of oversaturating all the cars and there's just no available space, which I think is really a funny (laughs) distinction. So it can't be both more patrolled and no available space. So I was like, "Mm, okay, You guys need to sit down and have a drink together. I mean, I I think it goes to show that if you put more patrols on it and then you notice you're not seeing anymore, you just assume that you've done the job. But in the end, there's just no space for them to come paint on. So they've already quit going. (laughs) Yeah, they do mention they said, I don't remember who said they would like to see the the freights cleaned up and then only a few people doing it. You know, the, the good ones. And I'm like, but who gets to choose who the fucking good ones are? That's I mean, come on now. Well, then you take all the element of danger and like, do they have like a, a conference every year? (laughs) (laughs) Organize it. There's like an award for most improved and all this. (laughs) Oh, so good. Yes. Newest artist. Yes. 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 But yeah, that's, that's kind of where we end with oversaturation and graffiti is one generation away from being gone. So it's a dismal outlook in the end. Right. I definitely think that I wasn't thinking that this was the lifestyle that they've portrayed in here. That part was really eye-opening for me. But when I guess you think about it and the level of skill and the level of execution that they have to do to get this on the trains, it's kind of a no-brainer that that would be a thing. I agree. I I didn't realize the organization and time and scouting it would take to do this. You think of graffiti as a 
let me rephrase that. When I was younger, I thought of graffiti as just a quick and dirty, ah, we're just going to spray something real quick because we want to vandalize it or something, right? right? And as you get older and you start to see more and you realize that this is really good art, like people are putting a lot of time into this. And then you start understanding more about it takes a lot of organization and skill. One thing I really want to learn if someone knows and can let me know is how they do the overpasses safely. <laughs> right? Do you, are you bending over? Is someone holding your feet? Is there scaffolding involved? I just never understood that one. And they're usually crappy like Joni loves Chachi kind of thing, you know. Right. They're not good art. Yeah. I don't know. I really liked this one. It was a it was a good combination and um the people seemed very real, very down to earth and I like that about them like it's an interesting thing to think about they came from mostly troubled past is is sort of the vibe that I got from this and they've traded one addiction for another and it's like oh who knew yeah we do now not my white bread (laughs) self so anyway uh you want to talk about next week yes what are we doing next week so next week we're going to do untold the girlfriend who didn't exist this is from Netflix released recently 2022 it runs about an, uh, two hours long. I think there are several untold episodes, but this one is specifically, I think, number six, if I'm not mistaken. And the idea here is that they're going to discuss Manti Teo and the online relationship that he had that threatened both his life and his career. So he was a very famous football player for Notre Dame. He had NFL prospects. And then you find out about this online relationship that he had and like what happened after that so (laughs) yeah I think I lived in South Bend well near South Bend when this was all going down so I remember him being really a big deal at the time and then later not so big of a deal so that's a shame I don't know anything about it so I'll be excited to learn about it and thank Kia for bringing this to our attention I think I'd seen blurbs about it but never really paid attention but she had watched it that will like it so here we are yeah I do love a good recommendation So please rate, review, and subscribe for us. Um, It always helps us get to new ears. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GoDocYourself. We also have a website that's going to be full of wonderful content very shortly. Yep, it's up and it's live, GoDocYourself.com. And we're slowly building stuff into it. So yeah, give us us time. But it has links to Instagram and Twitter, I think. Mm -hmm. And we'll put pictures up soon so you can see what we look like no one needs to see that but there we are that's what we'll do Uh, hopefully good I know that there were some bad ones because I saw my face so (laughs) so goofy anyway thanks for joining us today yes thank you for joining us and have a good week and we'll talk to you next week guys okay later bye